0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Broadcasting from the Vivid Seats studios. Use promo code Overtime in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time customers only. Also, one more little thing. I guess my bookie reached out. They heard about this whole Overtime Network thing. And they're like, I tell you what, send your people over and we're going to double that first deposit. Use promo code overtime. So I was like, all right, I'll tell my folks. That's you. You're you're the folks. Just just go check it out. All right. So, kind of conflicted on what to do today. I think because it just needs to be done. today's going to be PFF day because we just gotta we just gotta hammer this thing out because there's so many little tiny things that are just floating out there that it's like, ooh, I want to kind of touch on that and get. It's like we, we we gotta stay focused a little bit. So the very tentative plan is that today is PFF Wednesday. Tomorrow is going to be Random Thursday. Friday is going to be an intro into the Broncos. Um, I just, now it just dawned on me, uh, I should reach out to the folks over at the other Broncos thing, see if they want to have a chat. Those rarely work out because my schedule is extremely rigid. So it's like, hey, you want to do an interview? Like, yeah, I'd love to. Cool, man. You want to get up at three? <laughs> like, I don't know. Try to work it out. Otherwise, again, Friday is going to be intro into the Broncos. Saturday is going to be strategies, you know, like it's, rather than just looking at the Broncos for who they are and loving them for who they are. Life is a journey. Know your truth. Flowers and puppies. Um, it's more specific into how we beat the team. And then Sunday, what I want to try to do is bring back Positivity Sunday. I don't think I've really actually done one yet. I've been much more intentional lately. But um, I want to try to bring it back. So tentative plan. Doubt it's going to actually go that way, but that's that's kind of how I got it laid out, just to make sure that I can hit everything. And so there you go. Also, one quick little plug for uh, the old Patreon. First of all, if you haven't done your picks yet, today's Wednesday, tomorrow's Thursday, we got a game. So all my Patreon folks that are in there, get that done. If you want to get in on it, it's only a buck a month. Patreon.com forward slash pack uh, underscore daddy. Yep, that's it. Otherwise, check out the description in this podcast. There's going to be a link. Click the link, and it has a bunch of other links there. One of them is Patreon. One of them is Facebook group. You should probably check that out. Um, But anyways, also, I got a little Pack Daddy Premium Facebook group, and I'm going to be uploading a Jair Alexander video. We'll talk about it, but the big reason I wanted to do that is because if you look on Twitter, he had a great day. If you look at PFF, he had a below-average day. And considering PFF generally loves Jair and says that, you know, even including last week, he was clearly our best corner and is a great corner, they didn't like him. I said, you know what, we're just going to do Jair Day. So I did a video. It wasn't even so much a breakdown. It's more of a just, let's just watch it together and I'm going to give my thoughts. So I'll talk a little bit more about what I saw. But if you want to actually see the video, again, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. For that one, however, you need to be in the Charles Woodson tier, so... Something to think about if you're just sitting at home like, man, we got so much money, I don't even know what to do. I got a guy at work just yesterday said uh, he went to go talk to his wife about buying a $1,500 bow. My first car was a $1,000. I've bought two cars since then, not for very much more money than that. $1,500 bow must be nice. So anyways, if you're that guy, 10 bucks a month, you get into the Pack Daddy Premium Facebook group, do some videos. I'm going to start throwing up some other spreadsheets and stuff in there. I've got, actually, you know what? I think I'll put some in there. It'll be more on the random day, but I've got a, a breakdown of all the uh, the rookies and what they've been doing week to week and what their total scores are and all that stuff. So it's just things like that that I work on on the side just to bring a little bit of extra content, but I don't actually show you everything. I'll throw that stuff in that uh, in that group. Anyways, let's take a break. Leave me a five-star iTunes review. And uh, we'll we'll jump back into this thing. All righty. So usually we get this information out a little bit sooner, but there's been a lot of random stuff going on and there's still a bunch of random stuff going on, but we got to get this done because the people need to know. So what I want to start with is looking at overall, and I don't want to split offense and defense today, so we got to kind of get it rocking. We'll start with overall, right? Where does the team rank? And then I want to go and look at uh, the individual performances in week three. So where does the team rank after week three? What do the team do in week three? And then if we have time, where do the players rank overall after week three? Does that sound good? All right. So overall, right now, the Packers are currently ranked via PFF as the 11th best team. If you're offended by that, please let me draw your attention to the fact that our offense has been pretty bad for two weeks in a row. Outside of one quarter out of eight, not sure that it's been all that impressive. As a result, PFF has us 23rd overall. Now, please keep in mind, they don't adjust based on the opponent. Something else to keep in mind, the defenses aren't going to really let up for quite a while. The Broncos have a good defense, the Eagles have a good defense, the Dallas Cowboys have a good defense. The defenses are just going to be a problem all year. By the way, uh, the Lions kind of decent, at least their front, and we have to circle back around and play these teams over again. So tough defenses is going to be the standard So we have to learn to overcome it rather than wait for it to get easier for us. The good news is that the Vikings and the Bears actually have lower graded offenses. Um, So we're 23rd, Vikings are 25th, Bears are 32nd, dead last in the NFL. As far as overall, by the way, the Packers are number one in the division. Uh, The Vikings, they have 16th, the Lions, they have 21st, and the Bears, they have 27th. Passing offense, they gave us a good grade. 14 teams have good grades. We are tied with the Cleveland Browns. So that's relatively encouraging, especially since I'm pretty sure week one that wasn't the case. So I think um, there was enough of an uptick, basically, from Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Those are the only two that kind of turned the corner, and we'll get to that. But uh, as a result, they kind of shot up. And um, so Packers are number one in that category in the division. Lions are 17th the Bears and the Vikings are dead last, and the Vikings are dead, dead last as a result of what I told you yesterday, which is that Kirk Cousins was the worst quarterback in the NFL. It was his worst game in the history of his career, and so um, they they are way at the bottom. So Bears and Vikings so far the worst passing offenses in the NFL. What do they have in common, by the way? I'm just curious. Oh, they both played the Packers. That's what it is. Pass blocking, um, the Packers are a lot lower than usual. We're used to this being a lot higher. Um, however, two very good pass rushing teams. You got Khalil Mack, you got Daniil Hunter, you got Everson Griffin. Um, and David Bakhtiari didn't play his best game. I know Everson Griffin is a decent edge rusher, but you still expect better from him. I'm, I'm going to stick with what I had said about his back issue being somewhat of an issue. I think that was publicized. You heard about the fact that Everson Griffin continually bull rushed him. And I don't know this, but if I had to guess, I'm thinking there's some coaches over in Minnesota saying he's got a back issue. Here's how we're going to handle that. And really, if you think about it, if you're asking him to go laterally, you're not putting as much strain directly on him physically. It's more athletically. If somebody's got a back issue and somebody runs right into your chest, it kind of, you know, got to work on your core a little bit, I would think. So, I, you know, I, I'm just throwing it out there as an option. I don't really know. But um, the Packers still are ranked ninth, which is great. I, I shouldn't complain about it, but I'm, I'm used to them being like the top three pass-blocking offense, especially with David Bakhtia, or excuse me Brian Balaga just playing lights out. I mean, lights out he's playing. I mean, right now, I, I don't actually know for sure. I would be willing to bet he's graded higher than David Bakhtiari is. I don't know that. We'll find out. Uh, Bears are 14th. They do have a pretty good line but uh, also have had some tough challenges with the Green Bay Packers and then uh, Von Miller and the Broncos. Lions are 29th and the Vikings are 31st. Brutal. Receiving. The Green Bay Packers are ranked 24th. So this is an issue with... Look, I mean, the the, the bottom line is, and, and Packer fans are always excited about their guys. There's no question. But I don't think there's anybody outside of, of Green Bay, and I'm not sure there's anybody necessarily in the organization that views the receivers outside of Devante as being anything other than, I don't know, third stringers. I don't think there's a number two. And I know that's been said several times, but you know there's a lot of love for Marquez and how good he is and how good Kumaro is and how good Geronimo is. The fact is, we've never seen that. I mean, we've seen plays, we've seen flashes, we've never seen a consistent play, we've never seen a defense stressed by another player, and that ultimately is the mark. Essentially, right now, the game plan to beat the Packers is shut down Devontae and the Packers can't do anything. That's been the formula, and it's been working for two straight years. I mean, it was all last year and it's continuing this year. We can't seem to move the ball because once they cover up Devontae, we can't do anything. And if you think about it, you know, you look at the catches that Marquez is making, you look at the catches Geronimo's making, they're extremely contested, and and Aaron Rodgers has to throw it in an impossible spot, and the receivers just have to go up and make a really good catch. And it's great that they can do it, but that's that's just not going to work. So that's something to definitely keep an eye on. The Packers right now are ranked 24th in receiving, and that's with Devontae. That's not great. The Bears right now are dead last. And by the way, the, you know, the whole defense thing I'm not buying it the Bears secondary outside of Kyle Fuller is not all that impressive the Viking secondary is just really not all that impressive in my opinion just period there are a lot better corners in the NFL that they're going to have to face if they can't beat those guys And, and and we've had times I mean you look at week one I'm thinking Geronimo against Buster Screen that's just that should just be a a slaughter Buster Screen is garbage he didn't do anything Geronimo did nothing in that game, so I'm not super optimistic about it at this particular point in time. Um, On the flip side, the Detroit Lions are 6th, the Vikings are 8th, so some decent receiving options there, and the Bears are 32nd, if I haven't said that. Running the ball, something else that the Packers haven't been ultra successful in. They did see a little bit more in Week 2, but uh, right now the Vikings are 10th, the Lions are 22nd, the Bears are 29th. The Packers, they have 31st. The only team they have worse at running the football right now is the Atlanta Falcons. And that's not run blocking. That's looking at our running backs. Run blocking, they have 23rd, which is not good. But it's, well, technically it's not better. The grade is lower. But it's just that there's a lot of really bad run blocking teams. That is also worst in the division. The Lions are 13th in run blocking. What up, doe? Um, The Vikings are 9th in run blocking. Where are the Bears at? uh 17th so that isn't great defense on the flip side as i had mentioned recently the packers are currently ranked third on defense behind only the um patriots and the rams the patriots right now are just miles ahead of everybody then there's a massive drop off and then there's a rams and then there's a slight drop off to the packers who are just nearly tied but slightly ahead of the baltimore ravens who are off to a really really good start Minnesota Vikings are ranked 7th. The Bears, they have ranked ninth, And then the Detroit Lions, they have 17th. So somewhat discouraging that the Bears weren't up a little bit higher. Apparently, PFF isn't as impressed with them as they were uh, last year. So, you know, I I, I go back and look at what I had said before about, you know, I don't know for sure, right, did did we win two really close games against two really good teams, or do we barely beat out two kind of not great teams? I mean, the 7th best and ninth best defenses are good defenses, but we're trying to act like the Chicago Bears are the same defense they were last year. It felt like it, but it's hard to tell. Because you don't know what their competition level is, right? Oh, we just couldn't run against them. We just couldn't pass against them. Well, maybe that's because we're not good. I don't know. You don't know. We don't know. Anyways, run defense, the Bears are 4th. The Vikings are 14th. Lions are 27th. The Packers 22nd. So there are run, good run defenders, there are some not so good run defenders, and obviously we got gashed pretty good in this past game, so that needs to get cleaned up a little bit. I'm not super worried about it, but um, you know somebody pointed out that big 75 yard run by Dalvin Cook, um, Kenny Clark wasn't on the field. We got to get some guys up front that are able to hold it down when Kenny's not on the field. Tackling, which continues to be an issue. I remember that when I was watching this past Vikings game, how frustrating it was. There were so many guys that were about to make good plays, tackles in the backfield. They missed the tackle, and guys guys like Dalvin just keep running. It was so frustrating. I thought the tackling was actually really terrible against the Minnesota Vikings. Um, PFF apparently agreed because after two weeks, and they weren't this bad last week, the Packers are ranked 30th in tackling. I remember last week saying, oh, see, it looks like the tackling wasn't an issue because they're actually doing pretty well in tackling. Well, after that last garbage performance, as far as tackling goes, the Packers are ranked 30th. Not going to list the others because who cares, but the Vikings are pretty good at it. Everybody else is whatever, mediocre. Pass rush, the Packers are currently ranked 5th, which is just fantastic. We'll get into more specific stats in a little bit, but that's an awesome stat, and I hope that they can keep that up. The Bears are ranked 12th in pass rush. The Lions, 20th. Where are the Vikings? They're 21st. Coverage, also very exciting. The Packers are ranked 5th. The Vikings are 6th. The Bears are 17th, and the Lions are 11th. I know some of these are out of order, but I just can't find teams for some reason. So the worst in the NFC North is the Bears right now at 17th. And the Packers are number one at fifth, which is just shocking, but awesome. Special teams, which basically either PFF is very hard graders, or most teams just aren't very good at it, which would make sense because it's not super emphasized, kind of like run blocking and whatnot. But only eight teams had good grades or better. Only one team has a very good grade. That's the Chargers, probably because they had a kick return or something. Not a large sample size, so one big play can kind of open that up. But anyways, Vikings 12th, Packers 13th um bears are 21st lions are dead last so that's interesting and important to keep an eye on all right so anyways getting to the specifics um let's start with overall offense essentially it wasn't good at all um there were two players that were graded as very good two players that were graded as good and that's it after that there were four players that were average another way to say all that is that there were eight players who were average or better and there were 19 players that played on offense. Everybody else was below average to bad. So I guess starting with the good news, um, what I had mentioned is I want to see the good guys get back to being really good at stuff. So Devontae Adams was ranked number one overall. Aaron Rodgers was number two. Both of them graded as very good. That's exactly what I want to see. The two players that graded out as um, good, Brian Balaga, who I mentioned is an absolute stud and has been killing it, and number four, if you didn't see this on Twitter, shockingly, was Elton Jenkins. Now, Jenkins was being rotated in and out with Lane Taylor. Uh, Lane Taylor did not play very bad at all, and we'll get into specifics on blocking, but Elton Jenkins essentially was a better pass blocker and a better run blocker, and was one of the few guys that actually was a good run blocker. So Elton Jenkins comes out and was just fantastic. There is one thing on Twitter I saw, I think I might have retweeted it, but there was a touchdown run by Devon, or, um, Aaron Jones and if you look at Lane Taylor was the left guard in this game I don't know for sure that he needed to make the play but just watching him he just blows his guys like three yards back and I think it was Linval Joseph which is ridiculous but just absolutely mugs the guy um somebody that was borderline good but just slightly below 69.5 so we'll just call it good Aaron Jones so solid outing by him and and actually it was his pass blocking that was number one there there was another clip of him that you probably saw um I think it was harrison smith he just absolutely beat the guy into the ground in other words took him to the ground and just kept like just giving him shots while he's on his hands and knees begging for for uh, mercy guys with average grades then mercedes lewis lane taylor billy turner so props to billy for being average but that pass blocking has been bad for two weeks in a row it was below average this week basically flat out average as a run blocker so um you know, I was, I was concerned about Billy Turner. I know he's probably a good scheme fit with his athleticism, but he's never really graded out as a very good football player in his years out here. So hopefully that turns around, but he's he hasn't been great, and it's basically he's playing at the level that he's been playing. So I remember um, especially, I think it was Miami Dolphins he played for before he went over to Denver, and I remember Miami Dolphins fans just laughing hysterically like, you paid him that much money? That guy was trash. We couldn't get him out of here fast enough. But anyways, hopefully we know what we're doing. Below average, Jake Kumaro, Alan Lazard, who was out for a play. You probably didn't know that. I didn't know that. David Bakhtiari, below average, as a pass blocker and run blocker. Danny Vitale, Corey Lindsley, Geronimo Allison, Robert Tanyan. The four players that graded out as bad, Marquez, Jamal Williams, Trevor Davis, and Jimmy Graham. And by the way, for the people saying, well, he only, he only graded out bad because they keep putting him out there as a blocker. 19 of his plays were as a run blocker, he graded out his average as a run blocker. Six plays were as a pass blocker, he graded out bad as a pass blocker. 26 times he went out as a receiver, that was his worst grade overall, 43.3. So yeah, he's blocking and he's not very good at it, but his worst grade was the thing he did the most, which was to be a receiver. So let's keep that in the back of our minds. Looking specifically at blocking, things get a little bit better when you look just at pass blocking. Um, Guys who graded very good in order, Corey Lindsley was the best pass blocker on the day, which is nice. Jamal was the second best pass blocker. Elton Jenkins, Aaron Jones, and then Brian Balaga. All five had very good pass blocking grades. Lane Taylor and Robert Tanyan had good pass blocking grades. After that, it goes, it's just a massive drop-off. There were no average pass blockers. Billy Turner was just below average. Uh, David Bakhtiari, again, below average. Jimmy Graham was bad. Mercedes Lewis, who's supposed to be a great blocker, was bad. And Geronimo Allison, which seems like it doesn't matter, but you know, you got the head coach basically saying these wide receivers have to learn how to block because that's important, important part of what we do here, especially run blocking with outside zone. Um, but anyways, Geronimo Allison was terrible as a pass blocker. Run blocking, only two guys graded as good, Brian Balaga and Elton Jenkins. Average, you had uh, Mercedes Lewis, Billy Turner, and, uh, well, Aaron Rodgers, I guess. Probably just ran interference or something, I don't know. Below average, and again, remember, wide receivers have to be able to do this, Jay Kumaro, uh Jimmy Graham, David Bakhtiari, da- Danny Vitale, Lane Taylor, Devontae Adams, Robert Tanyan, and Corey Lindsley. Um, bad pat- or run blocker, Jamal Williams. And then terrible run blockers, Marquez, Trevor Davis, and Geronimo. Again, it seems like a small thing, but the head coach is saying, I need wide receivers that can block. Straight up. You guys have to be able to block because we got a guy running to the outside and we can't have corners tackling him in the backfield. You guys have to be able to hold blocks. And Marquez, Trevor Davis, and Geronimo Allison all had abysmal, abysmal um, run blocking grades. Uh, looking at some of the statistics, uh, the two sacks that were that were given up, or two guys that were credited with a sack, Jimmy Graham and Billy Turner, David Bakhtiari was credited with uh, giving up two hits, Lane Taylor gave up a hit, and Aaron Rodgers was blamed for one of his own hits. Hurries, David Bakhtiari gave up the most with four hurries, um, Billy Turner gave up three hurries, Mercedes, Geronimo, and Lane Taylor all gave up one hurry. In terms of total pressures, six of the 16 pressures came because of David Bakhtiari. Four came from Billy Turner, so 10 of the 16 came between Billy Turner and David Bakhtiari. Two from Lane Taylor, and then Jimmy, Mercedes, Geronimo, and Aaron Rodgers were credited with um, the remaining pressures, one each. Penalties along uh, of this group, Corey Lindsley, Devontae Adams, Jimmy Graham, and Geronimo Allison, so basically just Corey Lindsley along the offensive line were uh, penalized. Aaron Rodgers, I mentioned, had a very good grade, but something I did not mention, at least I don't think, I think I might have put it on Twitter, I don't know. But when, when Aaron Rodgers was not pressured, I would like to uh, tell you, yeah, it was on Twitter. Here are his stats. First of all, his grade was borderline elite, but here are his stats. 17 attempts, 17 completions, 143 yards, 8.4 yards per attempt, 2 touchdowns and no interceptions. 100% completion, 17 of 17 for 143 yards and two touchdowns, passer rating of 140.9. When he was under pressure, he was only 6 of 18, which is 33%, for 72 yards. He was sacked twice, um, had four throwaways, two times he was hit as he threw, 46.5 uh, passer rating. So a pretty stark contrast there. The grade he gave him was average when he's under pressure. So keeping him clean is going to make a pretty big difference in this. Obviously, it's going to depend on what the wide receivers are able to do. But in this particular game, when he had time to throw, 17 of 17, he had guys. Uh, A couple other interesting little tidbits here. Aaron Rodgers in the middle of the field absolutely dominated. So they have the the directional passing, which is very cool. They give grades as well as stats for each section of the field. So you got left between the numbers and then outside uh, right then you've got behind the line of scrimmage uh, short middle short intermediate and 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 deep right short being 0 to 10 intermediate 10 to 20 and then 20 and beyond in the between the numbers section short middle of the field 5 for 5 45 yards 104.2 passer rating intermediate middle 2 of 2 26 yards and a touchdown 158.3 passer rating they gave him an elite grade and then deep middle he was 0 for 1 but they gave him an 83.2 Uh, grade, which is to say he probably was not to blame for that. A drop, I don't know. But the middle of the field, he absolutely carved up. Uh, Looking at the running backs, I mentioned the uh, pass blocking between Jamal and and Aaron Jones and whatnot being pretty solid. Rushing the ball, however, PFF is not super excited, and and they've given great grades to Aaron Jones in the past. He's getting no love. Um, I know he had 110 yards on 22 attempts uh, five point or five yard average and a touchdown, but for whatever reason, they saw bad decision-making, whatever. I don't know. It's similar to Jair where he had a good game, seemingly did all the right things. I don't know what he could have done better, but they gave him an average grade. Jamal, they gave a really bad grade to. Pardon me while I yawn into my microphone. So hopefully this is a positive sign. In other words, he had a lot of attempts. He got five yards per attempt and this is not his full potential because he was graded as one of the best running backs last year. So far this year, they were not impressed with what they saw. So again, it becomes if he meets his full potential as a runner, things presumably get better? I don't know. And then uh, some of the receiving grades I mentioned, Devontae was given a very good borderline elite grade. He was 7 of 8 for 106 yards, 118.8 passer rating when targeted. Aaron Jones was given an average borderline good receiving grade, 5 of 7 for 40 yards. Uh, 85.4 passer rating when targeted. Jamal Williams and Geronimo both were given average receiving grades. Uh, Jamal, 3 of 3 for 13 yards. Geronimo, 4 of 4 for 25 yards. Each of them had a touchdown. Jay Kummerow, just below average, grade 1 reception on one target for 12 yards. Mercedes, below average, uh, targeted once, didn't catch it. Marquez was given the lowest grade, still below average. He was 3 of 5 for 19 yards. Anyways, why don't we take a break here and um, we'll take a look at the defense and then see how much time we have left. That'll probably be it. So as good as the defense was, um, as far as the grades go, PFF honestly wasn't all that impressed. I know this this is one of those games where I almost don't even want to do this because everyone's just going to say, well, PFF is garbage. Basically, let me tell you exactly what Pro Football Focus is saying. They're less impressed with the defense and are basically putting most of the blame on the Vikings offense. That's exactly what they're saying right here. There was one player who had an elite grade, there was one guy who had a very good grade, two that had good grades, eight with average grades, three below average, three bad grades, and one just absolutely horrific grade. So we'll start best to worst, I guess. Um, Mr. Kenny Clark was given his first elite grade of the season, absolutely dominant football player, seven pressures in this game, which was awesome because he didn't have a ton of pressures last week and um, wasn't seen as a super great pass rusher. It was mostly f- coming from the edge, and I was saying we kind of need to see that interior step up, and he specifically did. He had an elite pass rush grade, which is the first time anyone on the team has been given that, but uh, one sack, one hit, five hurries. Also had a tackle, two stops, one forced fumble. Next highest graded player was Mr. Zadarius Smith, given a very good grade, very close to being an elite grade. Five pressures, two hits, and three hurries, four tackles and an assist, four stops and uh, that's about it. The one surprising thing is that his run defense was his highest grade, which was not always his his biggest strength. Uh, The next highest graded guy was Mr. Darnell Savage. Now, it's a massive drop off all the way down to low good, low 70s, coming from mid-80s from Zedarius, but the positive here is that his coverage grade was fantastic. His run defense grade was horrible, tackling, mediocre pass rush, mediocre coverage was great. That's obviously the biggest, most important thing. Run defense, we got to work on it, need to clean that up. It's an important aspect for a safety, and it was really, really bad. But still, having solid coverage is going to be the biggest thing, and he's been solid. And one of the things I'd like to point out, because we're very critical of our rookies, like, oh, where's Rashawn? Oh, Darnell was just good, not great, blah, blah. Darnell Savage, let me just give you one stat that I came up with while doing my rookie breakdowns. Darnell Savage is is one of three. We're talking 254 rookies that were drafted. One of three out of 254 that has been graded good two weeks in a row. That's it, three. Need to calm down with our expectations of rookies. But as far as statistics, uh, six tackles, one missed tackle, one stop, one forced fumble. Uh, targeted twice, zero receptions, and he had credited for one pass breakup. The only other player that was graded as um, good was Mr. Dean Lowry, and it was entirely because of his pass rush. Phenomenal pass rush from Dean Lowry. I'd kind of mentioned that. Nobody was talking about it, but I definitely saw him in the backfield several times. Didn't have any sacks or hits, but he did have six hurries, which is crazy. Also added one tackle, and one of, uh, or his one tackle was a stop, which usually is going to be the case when you're a defensive lineman. Getting down into the averages now, the high average bordering on good was Kevin King. Again, very similar to Darnell Savage. They loved his coverage, hated, hated, hated his tackling, and really didn't like his run defense. His tackling was abysmal and is one of the reasons that our our tackling grade plummeted. His tackling was just the worst. But um, he only had one tackle. He had two missed tackles, which when you're looking at ratios, if it's even even, that's really bad. right? Darnell Savage had six tackles, only one miss. King made a tackle, missed two. That's really not great at all. As far as his coverage, he was only targeted three times. Only one of those was caught for 45 yards and a touchdown, but he did add an interception. So the one that he didn't uh, get to was was not great. Now, another thing to kind of keep in the back of your mind, because I want to blame Kevin King primarily for that touchdown. However, it almost seems like maybe he backed off a little bit because Jair was coming, like he was going to let him break on the I don't know that for sure, but maybe, I don't know. The next highest graded was Adrian Amos. Again, average, but you got to look at each individual category and how it breaks down. His coverage was mediocre. Pass rush was below average. Run defense was good. His tackling was very good. Four tackles, no misses, two stops. He was targeted twice. Both were caught for 19 yards. Overall, 106.3 passer rating when targeted. Next highest graded is Kyler Fackrell, and I'll, I'll tell you, I was gonna, I, I was gonna, I was crafting a tweet on Twitter. I usually say don't bother following me because I just don't go on there very much. But I've been putting a lot of interesting things that I find throughout the day on there, so you might want to check that out. Pack underscore daddy. But I just I forgot to hit you know send, so it, it didn't get sent and it's just sitting there. So I'll I'll get it out today. But specifics aside, I come to find out that pressure percentage, which is essentially a metric that I made up that that nobody else, including PFF, even uses. But f- essentially, what it is is how many pressures you're getting as a percentage of how many pass rush attempts you are attempting. Kyler Fackrell is leading the NFL. As far as edge rushers go, he is number one in the NFL in pressure percentage. I think um, Kyler, Preston, Zadarius, and Rashawn are all in the top 26 out of like 130 or something but his pressure percentage so far is something like 28%. It's just ridiculous. No, it's it's early in the season, but the other encouraging thing about that is his pressure percentage was actually really low last year. He just had a high number of sacks, but as a percentage of his total attempts, he wasn't getting to the quarterback very often. It's just when he did, which was rare, he got a sack out of it. This is the exact opposite. He doesn't have any sacks, but he has been all over the quarterback. Uh, same situation. His grade wasn't great, but primarily not a great run defender horrific tackling but his pass rush grade was was great and his coverage was was decent I guess but on only eight pass rush attempts he got to the quarterback four times two hits and two hurries Uh, he added an assist and he had two missed tackles so when you have zero tackles one assisted tackle and two misses again not good and it was so frustrating to watch Dalvin Cook slip to the outside and almost get tackled in the backfield but you can't wrap him up and then he takes off for 15 yards The worst, most frustrating thing in the world is seeing that happen. Uh, He was targeted once. That pass was not caught. So good job, Mr. Kyler Fackrell. Next was Raven Green, who is currently on IR. Very unfortunately, he was very vanilla across the board, which sometimes you take that, right? You know, mediocre grade, mediocre run defender, mediocre pass rush, mediocre covers, right? He's just, he's okay in all the categories. Basically, just zeros across the board. I mean, literally, in terms of stats, too, zeros across the board. Uh, still average overall. Tyler Lancaster, I actually really liked him. I think he is kind of going to be that compliment to Kenny just as far as stopping the run when Kenny goes off the field. He's pretty good at just blocking things up generally. Um, On this particular day, his pass rush wasn't great, which I don't think it's ever going to be. That's not really his strong suit, but his tackling was average, bordering on good. His run defense was was pretty high average also. Uh, Stats on the day, two tackles, both of them stops. Next highest, Mr. Fidel Brown. Only six total snaps and basically average across the board because he had no impact on the game. After that, Tremont Williams, 21 snaps, uh, pretty much just blanked across the board, average in every category. He was targeted twice. Both of those were caught for 67 yards. So not a lot of targets, but pretty impactful when, uh, when he did get targeted. And obviously didn't do anything to, to stop the catches. Josh Jackson was only out for one play. Here's the interesting thing, though, and it's something nobody's talking about. Where do you think Josh Jackson played? He played safety. So with Raven Green out, I'm actually shocked because a lot of people have been mentioning it. And it's one of the few times I kind of agree, because every time somebody struggles at corner, people used to say this about Kevin King, by the way, he should play safety. It's like, no, guys, come on. Josh Jackson and Demarius Randall were the two guys where I was kind of like, nah, I could see it. Because again, I've been talking about how Josh Jackson, I just think it might be a scheme fit. I think he's, I don't know if you want him doing bump and run. I don't think you want his back to the quarterback trying to trying to stay in somebody's back hip, hip pocket. I think he's a guy that you want to wait, have facing the quarterback the whole time. I think he, he likes making plays on the ball when the ball's in the air and he needs to be facing forward. Well, if you're playing man coverage like the Packers like to do, he's not going to be able to do that very well. However, you make him a safety, he's not going to be doing man coverage. He's going to be facing forward. So it's, it's worth a shot. He's played in the box before. He's played safety before. He's very, very versatile maybe they give him a shot i don't know um now getting into the below average grades this is going to upset people but it is what it is preston smith was below average um a lot of it has to do with his horrific tackling grade he missed three tackles on the day he missed three that's really not good at all Uh, he did have four pressures one hit and three hurries, which is pretty solid, but he's got to clean that up, man. He's the guy. He's he's the the guy that's supposed to be doing all the tackling and against the run and everything else. That's not not good at all. He also in coverage, uh, he had he one of his actually his best grade was coverage. He uh, 15 plays he dropped into coverage six times he was targeted so almost half the times he dropped. Uh, four of those were caught for 37 yards, and he also had that pick, which was pretty solid. But uh, his tackling grade was terrible. His run defense grade was, give, was below average, and his pass rush was about average. Blake Martinez was pretty low. Uh, nothing was really horrible. His tackling grade was actually pretty solid, just everything else was below average. His run defense, which it's hard to really argue with run defense considering what Dalvin Cook did, uh, his coverage was also a little bit below average. Uh, Rashawn Gary was on the field a little bit more. He actually had his first three snaps against the run. Eleven times he rushed the passer. PFF was not impressed. Uh, Only once of those 11 times did he get to the quarterback, and that was a hurry. He had a 51 overall pass rush grade, which is below average. So overall, below average. After that, Will Redmond, uh, only 12 snaps. Once again, horrible, 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 horrible tackling grade. Otherwise, not very impactful. B.J. Goodson, not very encouraging because he was horrific against the run. Terrible tackler, just not great effort overall overall. And then we get to, and this is the one that's going to set everybody off, Mr. Jair Alexander. They gave him the second worst grade overall. They said his coverage was below average, his tackling was below average, and his run defense was horrible. Second worst run defense grade on the team. Now, nobody's really going to argue with the other two unless you actually watched them and disagree with those specifically, but the one that everyone's going to get upset about is coverage. And again, I I think the video's done downloading. I'm going to upload that in a matter of seconds here if you're in the pack daddy premium facebook group check it out i had five negative coverage grades i don't really have anything to compare that to i don't see that as an overall super big negative i used a two point scale overall it was a positive 10 on the day i think i said eight in the video but one of them didn't calculate that yet because i hadn't clicked off it whatever i don't know but positive 10 overall now, there were a lot of grades, I just didn't grade because it's like, I, I don't know, it would, you know, the play wasn't really his direction, I don't know if I would really call that his fault, but you could see where maybe PFF wants to dock him for it, but I just wouldn't. Like that, for example, the, uh, the touchdown to Stephon Diggs. Jair was in position, Jair didn't break it up, Jair didn't intercept it, you could call that a negative. On the other hand, he got there, which is shocking because he was on the opposite side of the field and just started sprinting at full speed most corners aren't going to get there. So if he gets graded negatively for that, then essentially he gets graded negatively for trying, whereas somebody else, if they either weren't fast enough or didn't even bother to try to get to that side of the field, would have not been given a negative grade. That seems like a poor way to grade. And again, beyond that, his ability to get there, if anything, would be a positive. And to be in position to make a play, although it didn't really go his way, it was a 50-50 and Stephon Diggs got that ball. And I don't know that they graded him negatively on that, but that's just an example of, I don't know what they're doing, but you could see how maybe they would go one way and I would not go that direction. But I had seven um, one-point grades, which is essentially me looking at it saying, I think he did his job. So five negative, seven positive, and four two-point grades, which is me saying he went above and beyond Another way of looking at it was I think maybe only 5% of the corners in the NFL make that kind of a play. So overall, it was a, a positive 10. So uh, I, I mentioned I was going to go into the um, premium Facebook group and ask them. They booted me because my uh, subscription expired, but I renewed it. So I have to ask to get put back in again. But I will ask them if they can wouldn't mind clarifying on Jair, because that's one that, again, I don't necessarily disagree. He wasn't perfect, but um, I don't think he was really terrible. Anyways, the person who was dead last on the team was Mr. Montrevious Adams. Um, he has not been having a super great outing. I was kind of excited that maybe this was going to be his, his breakout, but um, this was a, a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, mediocre tackler, below average pass rush, and his run defense was just horrible. So, you know, not, not super exciting. We can put it on Dalvin, we can put it on their offensive line, but I'm just, I'm not going to do that. We, we need to be bigger, stronger, more powerful, and more capable because there are much better offensive lines and there are better running backs in the NFL. And if this is too much for us to handle, we're in trouble. Right? Man up. Let's go. Uh, specifically in each category, quickly, run defense. I know I kind of went over all this, but um, Kenny Clark and Zadarius were uh, very good. Amos was uh, good. Otherwise, the terrible, horrible, no-good Dean Lowry, Blake Martinez, Preston Smith, Kyler Fackrell, Kevin King, Darnell Savage, B.J. Goodson, Jair Alexander, Montravius Adams. That's in order from below average to bad to really terrible, horrible. 50s down into the 20s. Uh, Jair and Montravius were in the 20s. Tackling, Adrian Amos, very good. Zadarius and Kenny, good. Blake, Tyler, Dean, Montrevious, Darnell, all average. Uh, Jair was below average. And then terrible, horrible, abysmal, disgusting. Preston... Goodson, Kevin King, Kyler Fackrell, and Will Redmond. Pass rush, Kenny Clark was elite. Dean Lowry was very good. Kyler Fackrell and Zadarius Smith were um, were good. A big pile of average. And then below average, you got Adrian Amos, Fatal Brown, Montrevious, Tyler Lancaster, and Rashawn Gary. Coverage, Darnell Savage, Kevin King were both good. Um, a whole bunch of average. And then below average, Blake and Jair and Will Redmond. So that is that. Looking at special teams quickly, Mr. Tony Brown, congratulations. He was given an elite grade. Amos, Danny Vitale, Ty Summers, all given good grades. Um, Bad grade, Will Redmond. Horrific grade, Trevor Davis. This isn't his return grade. It's the other stuff. It's blocking and tackling stuff. Kicking grades, Mason Crosby was given an average grade, which, again, pretty much everybody gets an average grade unless you do something spectacular. When you kick three extra points, it's basically a given that's going to give you an average grade. J.K. Scott, however, was given a good grade. Very rare for special teams players to get a good grade, so props to Mr. J.K. Scott. Eight attempts, 381 yards, 47.6 yards per attempt, 42 net. As I say every time, I don't care about those because those stats are trash and don't mean anything to me. He pinned two of those eight inside the 20. Four of them were returned. One was a touchback, one went out of bounds, and his hang time was 4.78 seconds. Still not his best. He can do better. His long was 59. He can do better, but overall, some good kicking out there from J.K. once again. Definitely off to a better start than last year. I was excited about him last year. He had some, some disappointing games, but uh, he's, he's absolutely killing it right now. By the way, they actually have kickoff hang time. I don't know, this is kind of an irrelevant factor, but it's kind of interesting because I've never even noticed it. Mason Crosby's hang time, 3.77. Don't have any conceivable idea what uh, the average is or why that would even matter, but there you go. They're timing the hang time of kickoffs. So again, those are the assessments. I know a lot of people aren't going to be happy with a few of them, especially Jair. Um, If you have Game Pass, I would uh, ask you to go back and watch and make your own assessments. If you don't have Game Pass, I have a cheaper option for you. Head over to my Patreon, jump on the um, the Charles Woodson tier, then request to be put in the Facebook group, or I'll just put you in the Facebook group. I'll reach out to you, and you can check it out for yourself because I put every single one of his great uh, plays in coverage in which he actually did something. There were a couple where he's just in zone, standing by himself. I'm not going to show you that because who cares. Also, once you get into the group, um, I would encourage you to request something. If you want to see something in that game, request it. I can't guarantee I'm just going to do it. But um, it'll it'll give you some ideas, and maybe it'll override whatever I'm wanting to do that day because, I mean, you're the one paying to be in there, right? Anyways, that's going to be it for today. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.